When I came to, I, I was pinned under my car. I remember really clearly it was 1 a.m. and I was driving out of Manchester many years ago. I was 25, I think, maybe 26. And I came to exactly under the front of my car, flipped. The only thing that was sticking out of the car was my head and my two arms I could move. Nothing else uh, could move. I was pinned. And luckily, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, which I don't recommend, but in this case, it saved my life um, because I wasn't paying attention. So I was driving around a pretty rounded corner, not super sharp, but, but the corner was almost a 90-degree corner, and driving, and I did not take the turn. I kept on going straight. I became airborne, and my car and myself went 144 feet in the air and bounced off a tree that impact threw me out of the car and then the car and I bounced and the car flipped and landed on top of me. And at one o'clock in the morning at route, on Route 127 in Manchester, there is not a lot of traffic, I can tell you firsthand, because I sat under my car waiting for a, call to, a car to come by to, to scream, and, and no cars came. And then I panicked even more, and uh, I screamed very loud, uh, so these people way in the woods hoping they could hear me. Well, 20 minutes later, they did. And um, the next thing I heard were sirens, and the police came, then the tow truck, the brand new tow truck, and as luck would have it, it had a brand new telescoping pole, which really helped my escape out of this car. I was awake, I had my senses, <laughs> luckily, and um, I wasn't feeling a whole lot of pain. So... They lifted up the car, put me on the stretcher, and put me into the ambulance. And many years ago, I used to pretty like the party pretty hard, and uh, as did a lot of people. And um, and I guess they still do. But in the story, I came to learn a lot of things. That one night was pretty much something that really uh, woke me up, but it didn't change my life, oddly enough. So I get in uh, to the ambulance with two bones sticking out of my lower leg, uh, clean through the skin, and off to the hospital, Beverly Hospital, at about 1.30 in the morning. They patched me up and sent me home. I went home, but before I went home, I got a wheelchair and a pair of crutches. So I went home, and I rested, and banging on the door that same morning, 
At 9.30, a couple of my friends came and said, are you okay? Are you, I can't believe you're answering the door after I saw your car. So this car was a Porsche mid-engine 914. And after that accident, they told me this thing looked like a pancake. And they said, come on, you got to see this thing. So I went out, I grabbed my crutches, hopped to the door, got in their car and went down to the tow uh, yard. And surely enough, my car was there. And as they said, a little bit higher than a pancake. It was about a foot and a half high. But now it was upright. Unbelievable. Flattened. Nothing sticking up. And I shouldn't have been alive. But I was. And I realized that there must be more in my life. Otherwise, it would have ended and there was a lot more. And so I reached in curiously to the radio because I could, I could actually reach it. I don't know why I did it. I was curious. Does the music still play? And it did. The music came on loud and, I mean, sounded really nice. No distortion. And that fired me up a bit and said... Yeah, the music plays on, I'm living, I got through another day, man, how lucky. And I didn't really think of it as lucky, I just thought of it as just another day and I uh, happily go about my way. And that was in the days where I used to drink a lot, I liked to drink. I used to work on merchant ships and I made a lot of money and I had a lot of time and that was a dangerous thing for, well, me. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, that was dangerous. A lot of money, a lot of time, and plenty of things to spend the money on, and one of those was alcohol. So I made sure I went out almost every night when I wasn't working on the ship and did some partying. But that one day when I had crashed that car that one night and, and I got a wheelchair and I got a pair of crutches and and then I went back to Magnolia. I had an apartment there and my friends at the time drove me back and and I stayed there and I rested and the pain six or seven o'clock at night, the pain started. I started feeling my leg. <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm thinking, well, that's another excuse to go have a uh rum and coke or something or Kahlua and sure enough it was easy to do but I was on the hill in Magnolia and I had to you know I figured I can hop in my wheelchair go down to the bar when the bar was down there next to the fire station it's no longer there but it was when I lived there when I was 25 so I thought after working on merchant ships, and I'm an engineering officer, and I could figure out a lot of, I had a lot of mechanical insight, so I said, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get this wheelchair back? So being uh, creative and learning the lines on lobster boat and fishing boats and all kinds of boats, I took my old buoy line for my traps. I still had some around the house, 
And I took that and I, I cut up some and I, I tied my crutches to the side of the wheelchair. Then I said, I've got to drive in safety, so I need to have lights, so no one's going to, I didn't need two accidents in a day. So I wanted to make sure I had lights on my wheelchair. So I spliced the Dacron lobster buoy line into three pieces, and I used the smaller pieces of each strand to tie on a stern light or a tail light on the back of my wheelchair. So when I was going down the hill, it wasn't dark going down, but when I was coming back up the hill, I would have a light. So I rigged that all up and proceeded to go to the bar. I got to the bar around 7.30 and I did ease my pain. And around 10.30, I was feeling a little tired and beat up and, and I still had my senses. It wasn't like the night before that the only thing I can think of is when I came to that straight part of the road, I didn't turn, I blacked out, and I just kept on going straight. And yeah, that alcohol can be devastating. And I knew that because I had been drinking for quite a few years and partying all the way up from high school to 25. Crazy, crazy times, crazy years. And I knew I should probably back off on all this stuff. But that night I went out again and I relieved my pain and I got out of that bar and I bridled up, bridled up that the, the wheelchair, I bridled up myself, I turned on the light, and I was so proud because I towed that wheelchair back up the hill, and I now had my new mode of transportation to get down to the barn back comfortably. So, creativity once again. But that stuff, you know, that stuff went on, and some of you do know, you know seriously what I'm talking about, that... We know we need to make change, and we don't. And we yabba, and we have a hundred of excuses. If this happened to you, you'd be drinking too, or this happened to you, you'd be taking drugs too, or if this, if you had this person in your life, and, and endless, endless excuses. I had them. I had them all. And then I, I kept on, I kept working on the ships, kept making more money, and kept partying. Only partying harder, and it became a lot less fun. And the days and the nights got darker, and the years passed. And, and I lived, and, and some of my friends didn't. Uh, because of their playing around and partying. And we all know some people that just didn't make it and they continue to drop out. Um, but I have uh, spoken of gratitude on this show, stepping up and stepping out. And, and I really emphasize a lot of things. It's not like <laughs> I just... All the things I talk about have been tremendous, tremendous, tremendous effort. 
So after that accident, I just continued, as I was saying, for another three years. I just partied, and, and I went to places to dry out a little bit for a week or so, or not enough, just playing around, thinking, oh, yeah, I got to stop because I'm shaking so bad, or my life is I'm so uncomfortable or paranoid or or I can't live with myself. All kinds of crazy things happen when we put that poison in our system and our mind and we don't think very well when it's consistent and there's a lot and that's probably one thing that's consistent that I wouldn't suggest. <laughs> At any rate, as the years passed, I just life really wasn't much fun and it got darker and darker even on a beautiful sunny day. It was dark and I was not feeling very good and I really didn't like it, and I knew what the answer was, but I didn't change. And, and again, I drove cars under the influence, as, as many people do. They go to the package store. What do they do? They go out in the car, and they pop it. And, you know, this goes on today. And fortunately, one day in January of 1981, I called this friend of mine and I told him, I said, look, it's time. I said, I gotta, I said, I, this is just getting way too dark, but, but it wasn't the darkness that, and the loneliness and the not knowing and the kind of the crutch of of leaning and thinking partying was the only thing in the world when we know it isn't, or some of us know, and some of us are fortunate to be around to know, that, that it wasn't so much the darkness that made me act and, and do something. There was something deep down inside that would always tell me, Peter, you're better than this, and what are you doing to yourself? You know, there was this little spark, a little fire that said, when are you going to do something? And, and this, the pain and the darkness just was too much. And so this one time I went, I went up to New Hampshire, and this guy knew. He knew that... <laughs> When I called him and told him where I was going to go, and it was very expensive, it was 30-day treatment, and that it cost a lot of money. Um, it was, it, it, I, fortunately, I, I still had it left from working on merchant ships, and I had some insurance, and I had just totally, I said, that's it, the day's done, I have to do something better for myself. And for those around me, because quite frankly, living that way didn't just affect me. Uh, it affected a lot of people. I mean, that one night, it certainly, uh, you know, gave people work and a job to do. But those kind of jobs and those kind of things happening, we don't need much of. Uh, going and scraping up a person and a car off the ground. Um, so I went to this program and I just totally um, surrendered 
that I would change my life. I would find whatever little bit of positivity I had inside. I mean, a little spark and, and flame it every day by doing not what I had been doing for the last 10 or 12 years, but do what people suggested I do because they said, Peter, these are only suggestions, but you see, if you do this and you see that person over there and see that person over there and see that person there, if you do this, you'll have some of what they have in their life. Not be like them, but have some freedom and be able to smile and laugh really from within, not a shallow maybe make-believe laugh, but a real laugh from deep within where the happiness is actually there. I mean, there was a time that I couldn't make a decision <laughs> for 30 minutes. Do I put on a green shirt or a blue shirt? Pretty tough to make a decision. That's a big decision to make. And when I realized and I look back at that and I chuckle and I, I laugh that it was serious, a very serious time that getting up in the morning, going out, shall I wear a green or a blue shirt? So you know things are kind of tough when you get to a point in the day. But I do know some people that have decisions changing a lot of clothes before they go out. But this wasn't a lot of options. It was blue or it was green. That was the option. And being unable to make a simple decision like that was perplexing. And it told me where I actually went with my life. And like, what the heck is this all about? So I just kept forward, fast, not, I mean, not fast forward, very slow forward um, until it maybe became fast forward. And really it was minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and then month by month. And I gradually got my stability back and, and got spirit and a little bit of confidence and a little bit of self-esteem back because 12 years of, of beating yourself up and drinking and partying doesn't leave a lot on the plate when you're done. And at least it didn't for me. And I can say for a lot of other people too, just by interacting and talking to them. So if you are having challenges. And I talked all year about all these things to do, to do, to do. But I know also firsthand all of those things that I list and talk about and open the door to. And those all come from small steps minute by minute, day by day, week by week, that we step up a little bit and we step out a little bit. And we keep stepping up and stepping out 
and stepping up and stepping out until whatever obstacle or challenge that may be in front of us, we find the other side. And magically, I mean, I read so many books because that's probably, well, I'm not going to say it was all I could do, but I, when I could see a little better and think a little better and hear a little better, and I really wanted a lot more, and, and I had bought books and back with cassette tapes and listening and working to improve so that I didn't feel bad anymore. I just didn't like feeling that way or tired or exhausted. I mean, I quit smoking many years ago as well. And I used to smoke four and a half packs a day of cigarettes, two of them going at a time, holes in my shirt, wondering how the other one got going. Um, just chain smoking one right after another. And I remember I worked on a merchant ship, I was on this uh, tanker, a super tanker, going up to Alaska <clears throat> when I quit smoking. And smoking four and a half packs a day, I was in a soundproof air-conditioned control room, and it's really before smoking got really, like, not uh, accepted or allowed in, in different places. But... It was still okay to smoke in a soundproof air-conditioned control room, and I kind of felt, when I think back, these guys that would show up at 10 to 8 in the morning to go to work, and I had the 4 to 8 watch, and this room is like a fog bank because of Peter smoking his cigarettes. And maybe I was in my, uh, well, I guess that was in 82 also, but... The doctor told me, and he really kind of scared me, actually, when I was in school. I was just in my, just my very early 20s in college. And we had a doctor, and we had to take annual physicals because it was a merchant engineering school. And you had to be in, well, you had to be alive at least and breathing in decent shape. Uh, but we were all pretty young. And this doctor goes, Peter, you know, if you don't quit smoking by the time you're 35, you'll probably have emphysema. And the way I was coughing and choking, and I was only like 21, this hacking from deep in my lungs was terrible. And I asked the doctor, so doctor, what should I do? Like, duh. Like, do you think if you quit smoking, it might, <laughs> so many packs of cigarettes a day, it might make a difference? And, um, and in, in school, in the engineering school, well, we used to party a lot. And um, I remember my uh, um, cholesterol was, I took a reading once, it was 999. <laughs> and that was at school. And then after I had stopped uh, all this craziness, all the drinking and the really crazy lifestyle and cleaned up a little bit, I really started taking good care of myself. And my cholesterol got down to 49. 
And we were having a discussion on the ship, the captain, first mate, and myself, second engineer at the time, and, and, and a few other people. And we started talking, and the captain goes, oh, yeah, I got my cholesterol down to 279. And I'm like thinking, man, can my really be 49? I said, maybe I misquote what I said. And I went up to my, my stateroom on the ship, and I grabbed my physical because I always kept a copy of it. And I looked, and sure enough, my cholesterol was 49 because I stopped eating a lot of garbage too because I, I just worked on myself, working to get fit a little bit. When I lived down in the Keys, I went swimming every day, and I did things to get physical because I knew moving I would start to feel better and I changed a lot of stuff but when I was on that merchant ship and the engine room was full of smoke every day and then I remember I was using these filters uh, like water filters to uh, nicotine filters 10-day filters they're hard to find now because they're so effective so I smoke day one, day two, all the way, these 10 filters. And by day 10, it was like, okay, I was down to my last pack of cigarettes. And uh, not my last pack of cigarettes, my last filter. And that morning, no filters left. So I pulled out a pack of cigarettes and I made this decision that either I was going to die at 35 like the doctor said I would of emphysema or I was going to quit and I sat there that morning at four o'clock in the morning when the watch started I was going to have a cigarette and I made this decision very conscious very definite very committed to simply quit smoking and I know those filters took away that physical part but it was like the easiest thing I did. I quit. And then two and a half months later, I wanted to have a cigarette. And I didn't. But that just goes with the package of the smoking, the drinking. So not smoking and not drinking any longer and starting to feel better. It still took time because like doing all that partying for 10 and 12 years, you don't like feel good in 10 or 12 hours or 10 and 12 months even so what i realized is work work do the work i had to just if i wanted to feel because i started feeling a little better a little better and any of us can do anything we want and i know firsthand because I could say, in my case, I was looking up to see the bottom. Looking up to see the bottom of the barrel. That's kind of like where my life went. But I didn't accept it. And I was given a gift to be here. And I'm really grateful that I can be here. And that I can be here and share with you that... It's really difficult and it's really a challenge sometimes when we get into the woods and we're struggling and we don't think there's a way out. There is. There is a way out. When you look and when you make a decision. So here we are at the end of 2017 
And if 2017 wasn't what you wanted it to be in all areas, because it really can be whatever you want it to be. You can create your life the way you want. I know firsthand I was in a place where that totally was not true. And I thought everybody and everything besides Peter was in control of my life, but that wasn't the case. And I had a thousand and one endless excuses. But until I decided and saw a little spark and just was so tired of that uncomfortable lifestyle that I took, I guess you could say massive action, but it was a little bit at a time. And so I would invite you to just go over 2017. If it was a great year, make it greater. Because if great is, is really invigorating and, and you have enthusiasm for life, I know it just spirals out and you just want that much more. So go for it. And I have Tom Brady quotes all in front of me. I, I've been carrying them almost every, event, uh, every um, episode. And he's a guy that almost seems expressionless on a football field. And yet he's got so much going on, right? People protecting him and he's got pressure. He's got to get that ball in hand to the other end of the field. We know what he's got to do. But he doesn't cave and he chooses how he's going to perform. Yeah, the pass wasn't complete. Okay, I'll try it again. I'll try it again. I'll try it again until we know what happens with Tom Brady's efforts. He is a winner for himself, but he's not only a winner for himself, he's a winner for millions of people. So I choose to be inspired by someone. I, I'm not trying to be like Tom Brady. I'm inspired by Tom Brady. And you can Google online. You can get his quotes. The power of choice is something that stands out. And trust that the dots will connect is another thing. That's his number one. In other words, have faith and take ownership of who you are. Take ownership of your life. Not, don't let other people run your life. It's your life. Choose. You know, your mind over matter, right? I mean, your mind is stronger than a dropped ball. That dropped ball could, you know, if that made him cave, oh my God, bad pass, what am I going to do now? Pick it up, pass it again, right? And ambition. He says, be ambitious. Take responsibility for your life, right? This is all from Tom Brady, and I couldn't agree more. Manage your tasks effectively. Getting out of bed, you know, eating well, your physical uh, energy, <clears throat> excuse me, your stress, all of these things. Be calm. Excuse me, there are no reasons to be overly excited. 
I mean, it's nice to be excited at a football game, but I mean, when the ball isn't caught, just be calm. Pick it up and throw it again, right? Have confidence in what you do or grow confidence as you do it. And have attitude, the right attitude. Attitude over everything. Attitude over education. Attitude over talent. <clears throat> Excuse me. Water break. So in 2018, I wish you the best of journey. And I'll hop back on. Maybe I'm going to come in at the first quarter because I'm going to take advantage of my time in the tropics for a month or so, or sorry, three months or so. And I do that by choice. I operate my life by choice rather than being told what I have to do. I just chose. And anyone can do, can do it. And it's not the amount of money you have in your pocket. It's how you choose. And that's really it. Take ownership of yourself, your life, and make 2018 your best year yet by reflecting in the areas that you stepped up and stepped out in 2017. And if you didn't do much stepping in 2017, so what? There's today, this moment, and tomorrow. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and may your new year be bright and full of sunshine. This is Peter Stone, stepping up and stepping out 2017, making it the best year yet. <laughs>